Caring for kittens is no easy feat. That's why we've partnered with the National Kitten Coalition to host the online kitten conference, a whole weekend of learning how to care and support the smallest and most vulnerable felines. Join us the weekend of June 10th through 12th. Details and registration are available now at the communitycatspodcast.com. You've tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today is a special audio session of a webinar that we do with neighborhood cats called Trapper Tips and Tricks. This is part one. Next week will be part two, so make sure to tune in for that. This is the audio portion of the free webinar that we offer. If you are interested in seeing the free webinar, feel free to go to communitycatspodcast.com, click on virtual education, and it's right there. Uh, Or you can check the show notes, and we'll have the link right there. Enjoy Trapper Tips and Tricks, part one, and we'll see you next week for part two. So I'd like to first introduce Susie Richmond, who is the executive director of Neighborhood Cats. She joined the organization after over 20 years running a major New York City shelter and nonprofit veterinary clinic. At Neighborhood Cats, she has led multiple large targeted TNR projects in New York City and Northern New Jersey, managed a program for providing scholarships to veterinarians for training in high volume spay neuter of community cats, and co-authored the Humane Society of the United States online course on TNR. In her spare time, she can often be found trapping feral cats on Maui. And then we have Brian Cordes. He is the co-founder and national programs director for Neighborhood Cats, a leading community cat advocacy group with hands-on programs in New York City and New Jersey and Maui. Currently, he and his wife, Susie, live in Hawaii and can usually be found trapping cats or releasing them after they've been neutered. In between stints with Neighborhood Cats, he served as a grants manager for PetSmart Charities, overseeing over $21 million in TNR and spay-neuter projects. He has produced many of the leading educational materials on trap-neuter return, including award-winning books and videos, has assisted numerous communities in setting up large-scale TNR programs, and is a frequent presenter on community cat issues. Brian has a Bachelor of Arts degree from Cornell University and a JD from the University of California, Berkeley. And Brian... Welcome and thank you so much. Thank you, Stacy, and thanks everybody for coming out today. So, for those of you who are beginners or, or have only trapped a few times, you might be interested in kind of the basic training workshop that we offer with Community Cats Podcast, kind of an A to Z on on basic trapping and community relations and taking care of cats and traps and colony care, that kind of stuff. So, the next one is going to be on uh, April second. So for those of you who are at the 52% of you who are advanced, the first few slides are just going to be kind of a, a reminder of some of the basics, you know, for those who are out there who, who are not as experienced, but we will pretty quickly get into the more advanced stuff. All right. So one of the things that you want to do when you're trapping is make sure you have a feeding pattern established by the time that you get started. Basically, the idea is that cats are very habitual creatures. And if you have pet cats at home, you know that they wake you up at the same time every morning and they want their dinner, you know, about an hour before the usual time every evening. So they're very uh, routinized and outdoor cats can be trained to do exactly the same thing. And that helps with the trapping because then you're not um, hoping that they show up 
you're not having to sit around all day. You're not, it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. You know where they're going to be and you know when they're going to show up. So when you're setting up your feeding pattern, if you're coming into a new situation, give yourself a couple of weeks before the trapping to establish this. Feed them as close as possible or have your feeders and care or caretakers do the same as, as close as possible at the same time, same place. Ideally, you know, like the gentleman you see here in this slide, he comes out at dusk every every night. And so the cats start gathering about, you know, half an hour before dusk uh, and they're all there when he, when he shows up. If you can't be that precise, then try to narrow the window in which you feed as much as you can. So feed in the morning or feed at night. What you don't want to do is have an erratic pattern where sometimes it's the morning, sometimes it's the afternoon. And you don't want to leave food out 24-7 because then you won't be able to assess that. And the cats know they can just come by whenever they want. Pick a good time for the trapping. Um, if you're setting up a feeding pattern, if the cats already have a feeding pattern, then it's better for you as a trapper to adjust to them. So Susie, Susie and I have been up our share of times at four in the morning, you know, to get to the golf course because the cats are fed at five, um, that kind of thing. But if they have a pattern, you, it's better for you to adapt to them than, than to try to change their whole routine. If they don't have a pattern, think about when you want to trap. Don't start, you know, uh, setting up a pattern for uh, midnight. Um, you know, do it at a time that's going to be good for you. When you're doing the pattern, try to establish some type of unique sound. It could be a clicker, it could be a whistle, it could be shaking your keys, it could be uh, jiggling the uh, crunchy jar, whatever it is. Because when you're trapping later, you'll be able to use that sound to draw the cats out. You know, you'll get your initial wave of cats caught, uh, and then some of them will kind of drift into the background, and you use that sound. To, and, and some of them will come back out associating that with food. So withholding food, um, just want to emphasize that every, we're going to talk about a lot of um, uh, kind of tricks and secret stuff that you can try. But I want to emphasize that most the vast majority of the time, the most important factor is withholding food because, uh, you know, you could be a beginner. And if you've got cats that are really, really hungry and haven't eaten for you know, a while, then uh, they're going to go in. You know, the, the vast majority of them are going to go into the traps. If you do everything perfectly and the cats just ate, then they're not going to go in. So by far in trapping, it's just always important um, to keep in mind that the most important thing is to try to get them to be hungry. So no feeding the day before, and that includes dry food. And this is, this is an advanced tip, um, which is uh, except for those of you who have experienced this phenomenon, which is, you know, your feeders agree to withhold the food the day before and you show up and there's a big bowl of dry food and you're sort of looking at them in astonishment. And they look at you and they say, oh, I, th I thought you just meant the wet food. So really emphasize to them uh, so that you don't have that kind of empty feeling. <laughs> the cat's stomachs aren't empty, unfortunately, because they, you know, all the same to them, whether it's dry or wet, uh, emphasize to them that you mean all food, including dry food. Do not put anything out, but of course, leave out water at all times. So um, we tend to favor mass trapping when it's possible, when you have the equipment, when you can get the spay neuter slots. So not always possible, but when it is, it's just much more uh, effective and efficient to trap all the cats in the colony at the same time. And neighborhood cats, we just define a colony as a group of cats that 
share a common territory and a common food source. So just some tips for when you're doing mass trapping. Again, this is something we go into depth in the basic training workshop, but have more traps than cats. Don't, uh, if you're after seven cats, bring eight, you know, we'll try to bring like nine or 10 traps, not seven, because it'll be all well and good when you've caught, you know, one through five or six, and then you're down to cat number seven and you only have one trap. It's gonna be a lot easier to catch that last cat if you've got three traps out and not just one. Leave at least two days. Uh, don't don't wait till the day before. Again, that's basic stuff. But you know, if it rains or there's something unexpected that happens and it's a wipeout, uh, you don't want to show up at the clinic with with far fewer cats than you scheduled for. Especially these days when slots are increasingly hard to come by. Uh, another tip is use two kinds of bait. Don't just put one. You know, you may have your favorite, and we'll talk about baits later. Say tuna works really well for you. Well, there will be the occasional cat that doesn't like tuna. And if you just add a little bit of a second bait to the dish, you'll still be able to catch them. Put all the, uh, all the traps out at once, so you're entering the territory as little as possible. Put them up against something. Again, that's a, usually a beginner tip, but for those of you who may not have heard of this before, the cats are more likely to go into the traps if they seem like they're part of something familiar and less likely to go in if you just put the trap out in the driveway or surrounded by empty space, that makes them more wary. So put them up against the fence or the curb or the bush. And then there's the concept of hot spots. And that's the idea that for whatever reason, you're gonna end up putting a trap in a spot that's perfect. And one cat after another will go in even though they ignore the other traps you've put out. And the way you find those hot spots is at the beginning of the trapping, as soon as a cat is caught, move another trap and put it in that exact same spot after you've taken the first cat away. And in that manner, you'll discover where these hot spots are. Now, starting to get into more advanced stuff, and that's use the caretaker's routine to draw the cats out during the trapping. And there was a question from, from uh, Julie who uh, sent in a written question ahead of time. And her situation is uh, she's got feeders in a local park, you know, feeding a colony of cats. And they're very cooperative and they'll withhold the food. Uh, and then she shows up and the cats will not eat for her. They will not come out. The feeders come by, put out the exact same food, and they all come out and eat. So how do you, how do you um, overcome that? And the trick is to integrate the caretaker into the trapping. And what we like to do, unless you're dealing with somebody who's really difficult and you think is going to cause too much of a disruption, but you know most most people are pretty pretty good about that. Have them go through a fake routine. So in other words, do the feeding without the food. So show up when you usually show up. Break out the dishes. Jiggle the dry food. Maybe even make drop a couple into a dish so they hear the sound of that. Pour the water. Go through the whole routine. Uh, just don't include the food. And this will help bring the cats out. And then they'll start noticing, well, the food's in the traps now, and they're more likely to start going in. So, you know, do the fake feeding. And one trick that we often do is um, we have them crack open a can of uh, wet food because that sound of the lid opening and pulling back will often bring the cats out. So again, just be careful if it's somebody who, you know, just won't follow your instructions. So for Julie, have the feeders with you and have them go through their routine. And that way, it's most likely the cats will come out for you. Okay, so talking about traps, the basic equipment real quickly. 
just going to go over the, the most popular ones here in the States. And uh, for those of you who are not in the States, uh, I want to point out that there's two key features that we look for in any trap that we use that you can most likely find where you are. One is that they're 30 inches in length, and that's approximately 76 centimeters. And that's because as we teach in, in the certification workshop, the traps end up doubling as cages. So once the cat is trapped, they don't get transferred into another cage, they stay in the trap. So for the trap to work as a cage, it needs to be uh, 30 inches in length minimum. It also needs to have a sliding rear door so that you can access the trap from both ends and that allows you to feed and clean while the cat is captured. So what you're seeing in this slide is the TrueCatch Model 30 LTD made by TrueCatch. They're at, um, well, I forget their website, I'm sorry, but it's, if you just look for TrueCatch online, you'll find it. It's one of the most popular traps out there. It, it's a gravity trap. What that means is cat walks in, there's bait in the back, that's where the kitty's headed, and there's a plate. It's a little difficult to see It's because it's a wire frame in this one, but if you look towards the back, you'll see there's a, a, a plate that's lifted up in the air. And when the kitty steps on that, it will cause the front door to shut. Now with a gravity trap like this one, the shutting action is very quiet and it's also very safe. It goes down, it doesn't go down at a kind of speed that is going to hurt a kitten or anything like that. And so these gravity traps tend to be the preference of people who do a lot of trapping. And we use them a lot, especially in places where there's a lot of cats in a small space and we want the shutting action of the door to be as quiet as possible. Uh, again, if you're if you want to learn how to um, set these traps and the mechanics of them, that's something we go over in the certification workshop. This is another uh, popular one. This is uh, the Tomahawk uh, Model 606 NC. Again, it's 30 inches, 76 centimeters in length. It has a sliding guillotine-style rear door. One tip for you guys out there: the advanced is uh, have a look at the handle, and what you see is a piece of a garden hose that is wrapped around the handles and duct taped together to hold it there. And that just makes carrying the traps uh, much more comfortable, especially when there's uh, cats in them and, and they start to get heavy. So if you're finding that uh, carrying cats around is really cutting into your palms, you might try this uh, cutting up a garden hose and using it in this manner. So this is a, what's called a spring, spring loaded trap. So when the cat steps on that uh, metal plate towards the back of the trap, Again, the front door shuts, but this is on a spring, so it shuts very quickly and loudly. This kind of trap is really good for people who are not experienced because it's very easy to set, and it's just simple mechanically. The Going back one to the, um, the gravity trap, the true catch, you can set that in a way that it requires too much weight, uh, and a cat, or especially a kitten, a smaller cat, will not put enough weight on the trip plate to cause it to shut. So you can get these wrong if you don't know what you're doing. You can't get the spring-loaded ones wrong. Another problem with this particular trap, the true catch, is it doesn't have any locks on it. And so if uh, you catch a cat and the trap gets tipped over, there's a good chance either the back door or the front door is going to open and the cat will escape. Also, if you don't lock the front door, we've seen cats um, take sheets that are used to cover the traps and pull them in through the front door and gradually open it and escape that way. But they're both, you know, still very good trap. This is this is really a good quality trap too. But we felt like, you know, how do how do we uh, get the best of both worlds? So we designed this trap along with Tomahawk, and and it was released last year in 2021. 
and it's the model GT606. It's also a gravity trap, but we designed it to overcome what we felt were the problems with the TrueCatch 30LTD. So it's much easier to set. It's got a notch on it. You put uh, one a bar in the notch of the other, and that's it. There's no guessing about what the correct setting is. The trap locks. You can see on the bottom of the front door here, there's um, kind of a clip and a crossbar. There's two rings, and there's a bar connecting those two rings. Well, that drops down. It goes underneath this clip, and that locks the front door. And also, the rear door has a lock on it. So it's still got all the advantages of a gravity trap, but it's easy to set, and it locks. So trap mats. This may be new for a lot of you, including experienced people. And this is um, a trap mat is basically something that you use to cover the floor of the trap as the cat is making um, her way towards the back where the bait is. There's two ideas behind mats. One is that it makes the floor of the trap more comfortable so the cat's not stepping on a wire frame, which is kind of an unnatural texture. And the other is that you can leave a little trail of bait that kind of, as you can see here, the kitty's, you know, kind of Hansel and Gretel-like leading her into the trap. And it's just amazing to watch them inch by inch as they, they move to the back. And then they realize, oh, there's a big plate of this. And they step forward and onto the trip plate. You can do this with cardboard. The problem with cardboard is that, you know, it's once and done. So every time you trap, you have to cut a whole bunch of cardboard. Uh, so we went out and we found this material that's called coin grip PVC flooring. And it's great. It's uh, it's easily washable and you can you know just spray it with your disinfectant and wash it off and use it over and over again it's heavy enough it doesn't blow around in the wind it, you find it on the a lot of elevator floors because it's, it's got that tough but easy to clean surface so that's what we use and if you just have a couple of traps you can get these mats pre-cut from a tomahawk you know you can call them up and get them cut to size if they don't have the size of your trap and, and you'll get them and they're, they're they're perfect you know they're perfectly cut they are more expensive that way. You're going to end up paying about $20 per mat. Now, um, if you've got a lot of traps, you can just cut them yourself. Go to Amazon and order that coin grip metallic PVC flooring. And you can get a roll that's four foot by eight foot and cut it yourself. Use a ruler. The best thing is if you've got a paper cutter. But, you know, take a yardstick and a Sharpie and on the back of the mats, just draw them out. They do not have to be perfect. Uh, and you'll end up with at least a couple dozen mats out of a four foot by eight foot roll, and you'll reduce your cost to a few dollars per mat instead of uh, 20. Don't use a lot of food on the mat. You want them to want uh, to keep going, not to get full on the way in. Okay, so that covers um, pretty much the basics. And now we're gonna get into you know the hard to catch cats. What, what about the ones where you do all the basics, you do the feeding pattern, you withhold the food, you use good traps and all that, and they just won't go in. And we know that they're out there. We run into them all the time. So how do we get them? All right, our number one choice is going to be what's called a drop trap. Those of you, if you stick with it and you learned that drop trap, you're gonna go into that, the drop trap is my BFF category. It's this square. Um, this one is three foot by three foot square. And I believe it's either 14 or 18 inches, 14 inches, I believe in height. The idea is, you prop it up on that prop stick you see in the front. There's, you can see there's a string tied to it. Put a big bowl of bait in the back in the middle, and you wait for the cat to go in. Then when the kitty you want is there, you pull the string. Now, the reason drop traps are such great tools is because when you're talking about 
like the traps we went over before. We call those box traps, you know, because they're rectangular in shape. Cats have a natural wariness of going into them. And we'll talk about ways to try to overcome that wariness, but they don't like entering this small, narrow, enclosed space that there's only one way out of. Um, so in order to entice them to go in, that's why we have to make them hungry. Um, that's why we have to position them properly and things and do all these tricks because they're afraid to go in them. And if you, you know, put a bunch of traps out with something really tasty in a colony that just ate, a lot of them just won't even look at it because they're just naturally wary. Now a drop trap, a cat doesn't go into it. The cat goes under it and they're not afraid to do that. You know, every once in a while, you'll get a cat that will take a few tries or some coaxing or may circle and think about it. But the vast majority of cats, including the hard to catch ones, uh, they'll just march right under it because they don't have that natural fear. So that's why it's such a great piece of equipment. There is a 48 inch model. So that's four foot by four foot square. We don't recommend that unless you're really experienced. This trap, the three foot square one, weighs about 14 pounds. Uh, the four foot square one weighs about 25 pounds. And if you have that coming down and hitting a cat, you are risking a serious injury. Plus, it's pretty heavy to tote around. So stay away from the four foot square one unless, unless you're really experienced and confident in what you're doing. Okay, so like I say, this, you know, the drop trap is just an invaluable tool and there's so many ways you can use it that we actually have a, uh, another free webinar. The next live one will be held on uh, June 25th. So you can sign up for that. The first half of the, this webinar kind of goes into a lot of detail about the basics. And the second half of it's going to be for those of you who are used to, who are experienced with the drop trap. And we talk about ways to use it to catch six, seven, eight cats at a time, how to use it by keeping it on the ground to start with and using the side door. Um, how to trap at difficult angles, all, all sorts of more advanced stuff as well. I, I recommend take this workshop too, because you'll really become an expert at the work at using the drop trap. For those of you who don't have access to a drop trap for whatever reason, try this version. And again, this is you're trying to pick out one cat. Like maybe it's the cat that just showed up and the other eight cats in the colony are already fixed. So you don't want to trap them. You just want to trap the one. Maybe you want to catch the kittens first you know, while you're waiting for your uh, surgery dates for the adults, but you want to catch the kittens while they're still easily socialized. Maybe there's a pregnant cat, whatever it might be. What you want to do is bypass the automatic trigger mechanism of a box trap and instead just prop the front door on a half full water bottle like you see here with a string tied around the bottle. Put a big plate of food in the back of the trap and then wait until your cat, again, you need a big plate so lots of cats can come in and out, Wait until the cat that you're after shows up, goes in, and then you yank the string and uh, the front door shuts. One caveat with this is don't try pulling it for the very first time when the cat you want is in the trap. Pull it a couple of times at home because it just takes a split second. If you have a hitch in your motion, it just takes a split second for the cat to get out. And I can say that speaking from experience because I thought, you know, why do you have to practice pulling a string? Um, well, you do. And, and just once or twice. Uh, now, uh, in this photo, you see the string is tied around the base of the bottle. Some trappers prefer tying it around the top, around the neck. So that's really whatever you're, you're most comfortable with. Ever wanted to quickly connect? 
collaborate or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are, you know, real people. Look no further than Maddie's Pet Forum. Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum. Come for an answer. Stay for the community. Could your animal welfare organization use a tune-up? Humane Network can help. You can get a free 30-minute consultation to talk through your challenges and get ideas on how your organization can be more successful with less stress. From board development and fundraising to strategic planning and operations, Humane Network has got you covered. Whether you're a large or small, nonprofit or government, it's a live and thriving program led by a certified animal behavior consultant features specially designed training for shelter and clinic staff on enrichment, stress reduction, safe animal handling, and behavior modification. With Humane Network, you receive individualized advice and support customized to meet your organization's unique needs. And Humane Network can lighten your load by taking on fundraising, communications, and other tasks you struggle with. Contact Humane Network today for a free 30-minute consultation. Visit humanenetwork.org. That's humanenetwork.org. Team Dubert is at it again, and now they have an amazing companion case management module that once again revolutionizes how you rescue animals. Dubert partnered with Dallas Pets Alive and the Spay-Neuter Network to build a powerful solution that allows you to manage cases of any kind. Whether owner surrender calls or emails, community cat tracking and reporting, Dubert is the only system that integrates two-way text messaging, automatic follow-ups, and even a rehoming solution that every organization can use. No more trying to manage 10 different technologies when everything is all in one place and tightly integrated. From fostering to transport, fundraising to e-commerce, supply and demand to case management, Dubert has everything you need to streamline your operations so you can focus on saving more animals. Check out the new companion case management module at www.dubert.com CCM and get signed up today. Okay, so there's also... Uh, for those really difficult cats, there's uh, another technique called trap training. And I'm going to take you through an actual trap training project that we did here on Maui. And there was a cat who we named uh, Silver Bob, who was part of a colony at, at a resort. And what you're seeing in this slide is a, you know an aerial of part of, of the resort. And that red circle is where the cats, including Silver Bob, were fed. She's named because she has a bobtail, which is kind of popular here on Maui. Now, we TNR'd the rest of the colony, every single cat, except for Silver Bob, who was not only elusive, she was, she was pregnant. This colony was fed in that patch of trees, and you can see it's off of a pedestrian path. So a lot of people walked by, but the feeding spot was a little bit hidden inside that wooded area. Now, the problem for us with Silver Bob was the moment she saw us, she left for the day even though she'd never seen us before. As soon as those traps came out, no more silver bob. <laughs> and so we couldn't drop trap her because she would never return. You know, we tried a couple of times and we just sat there staring at an empty drop trap for, for a few hours. We had to figure out a way to catch her that she wouldn't, you know, get alerted and run off. We had, uh, we, we observed, you know, after frantically trying to catch her while she was pregnant that she did give birth. So at that point we figured, well, we've got five or six weeks because she needs to raise her kittens until they're old enough to be uh, brought in. And at that age, you know, they're, they're not even wild yet, usually just adopt them out. But we needed five or six weeks for the kittens to grow up. 
So we decided that during that time, we would train her to go into a trap. So this is how we went about it. We took a trap that you see here. We wrapped it in green sunscreen, also called sunshade, you know, tied the uh, sunshade on there pretty well. So that helped to disguise the trap so it didn't quite look like what she was afraid of. It also helped it to blend into the scenery around the feeding area. And then we secured the front door in open position. You can see we put a zip tie on it so the front door couldn't shut. We removed the rear door so that in the event somebody decided they wanted that trap, it was going to be pretty much useless to them without a rear door. And we tried to hide it as best we could off that beaten path. And then we took a bicycle lock and locked it onto a tree trunk so it couldn't be easily uh, lifted away. One mistake we made that I would caution you about, we didn't put like a piece of cardboard or a trap mat on the floor during the training period. And as a result, it got really quite squalid. Um, so you want to put something you can remove and replace and keep the trap. If you're doing this for a few weeks, it, you really don't want it to you know, get that bad. Okay, so the trap was set up and also the trap is located, uh, it was about 15 feet away from where she usually ate. So it was at a comfortable distance where she would still feel comfortable eating, even though she could see there was this strange new object nearby. We had the caretaker start feeding uh, you know, a good safe distance away and we had her use the cat's familiar bowl, but we made a mistake here. And well, I bet a bunch of you are gonna spot it and basically the bowl's too big right? Eventually that bowl's got to go into the trap. So when it came time to actually catch her, we had to substitute a smaller steel bowl. So don't make that mistake. Uh, think about that in the beginning and get them used to a bowl that's going to fit where you would normally put a bait dish in the back of the trap. So after Silver Bob was comfortable eating at a spot, we had the caretaker uh, move the bowl closer to the trap like two or three feet. And we just continued that pattern. You know, we had time every two or three days, the bowl kept coming closer and closer until she reached a point where you can see where she's just in front of the trap. Then we put the bowl inside, just inside the trap. Again, you can see how we're gradually doing this, no big, huge changes. So now she's sticking her head in and uh, eating. And now you see she's all the way in and eating. So now we've got her trained to the point where we can trap her when we want to. So um, you can see there's her little kittens. They showed up one day under a bush and we could see, all right, she's old enough and we can pretty sure we can catch the kittens now. So we set the trap and it took a couple of tries, but then we finally caught her. She went in all the way and trap shut behind her. So this trap training is very effective if you're, if you're patient and you take the time to do it because this was just impossible to catch cat but you don't have to reserve trap training for just for these really difficult kitties. You can also use them for normal trapping if you have the right circumstances. So give you an example, we had someone who was feeding an eight cat colony in their backyard and it was safe to leave the traps outside. So a week or two before the trapping, we had the caretaker put the eight traps out and just start trap training. Day one, you know, the cats ate at their usual spot. Day two, the bowls got moved closer and closer until eventually all the cats were eating in the traps. And then the day of the trapping, of course, all the traps were set and the colony was caught, I think, within 20 minutes. So you can do that. If you're doing, if you're doing this kind of trap training, you don't want to withhold all the food. 
the day before because you don't want to tip them off that something's different. Still, it helps if they're at least a little bit hungry. So we recommend like the day before the trapping, you give them maybe a quarter of what they're used to getting so that you know the pattern's unbroken, but they're going to be quite a bit hungrier the next day. And again, the trap training on a normal colony, you need to have secure. You couldn't do this in an open public park or something like that. You'd have too much equipment lying around. Okay, another idea for these hard to catch kitties is to super camouflage the trap. So you can see in this photo how you know we wrapped it in burlap and then we covered it with sticks and um, everything like that. And uh, we left the rear door open to give kitty a little bit of training. It was just easier to have the cat go in through that side. I forget exactly why, but when the moment of truth came, you know, we put the rear door on, set the front door, and uh, caught our kitty. This is another form of camouflage, which is just wrap the trap up in a thick garbage bag using duct tape. But this is also good for if it's raining. If it's raining out or you know it's going to rain or you're afraid it's going to rain, if you can get the traps close to where the cats are, uh, where they're undercover, a uh, good chance they'll come out and go into one of these, even if it's um, a little bit of rain. So other ideas for this kind of camouflaging, the boxes the traps arrive in, if you've got new traps, you know, save those boxes because you can cut out either side of the box and stick the trap in there and leave it set inside. You can put the trap under a board, under a bush. One question that comes up is, should you always cover the traps since the cats seem to be more attracted to them when they're, um, you know, they feel like they're inside something and the whole thing is covered? Well, we don't because for most cats, it's not necessary. If you're doing a large trapping, you're trying to catch a dozen cats, you know, probably at least eight or nine of them will go into the traps, whether you cover them or not. So it can be quite a bit of extra work there, even with a sheet, because then you have to uh, clothespin this sheet, make sure it's not blowing around in the wind. So we wait until we're down to the less, more difficult cats before we start doing any of this covering and camouflaging. Another quick tip, if it's a windy day or just a very windy location, these are called food boats, these bait dishes. And you just take a piece of duct tape, put it on the bottom of the food boat, and then stick that down on the floor of the trap, and it won't blow around. You can also use clothespins to um, attach the food boat to the side of the trap. Uh, we prefer the duct tape, just a little bit easier. Another quick tip, uh, those of you who've done some trapping are, I'm sure, quite familiar with this phenomenon. Uh, which is the cats often just go right to the back of the trap and they try to figure out how can I get to the food without going in the trap. And they spend an awful lot of time sniffing around back there. Usually they figure it out. Sometimes they don't. And it's still, even if they do eventually figure it out, it's still better to know this is their tendency and try to use it to your advantage. And the way you do that is this. You put two traps right next to each other, but facing in opposite directions. So when they are sniffing around at the back of one they're obviously at the front of the other and very good chance they're going to you know, go into that second one. Also notice in this slide that we like to keep our sheets with the traps so that when we have a cat that's caught, we're not running around going back to the car trying to figure out where, where the sheets are. They're right there. But also notice how they're rolled up and they're tucked into the handles so that they're not blowing around. We won't do this if it's really windy out, but most of the time uh, this works just fine. Okay, here's another tip for you. So you've got a cat who, even though you've got a trap with a large trip plate, and, and there are these cats out there, they figured it out, God knows how, but they know not to step on the trip plate and they will walk over it. We worked with Tomahawk to design those extra large, you know, it used to be 
when I started doing TNR and 20 years ago, the only traps that we could use were designed for raccoons. They had very narrow trip plates and cats often stepped over them. And that's why we worked with Tomahawk to design the much larger trip plates. So that phenomenon of a cat walking over them happens much less often now, but it, it does still happen. There's, you still have your occasional genius cat. So if you see that happening, you know, and you, when you have a cat in a trap who's eating, do not alarm the cat, you know, walk over very slowly, let him back out from while you're still at a safe distance and, and walk away. Sometimes on the way and the process of backing out, they'll step on the trip plate, but because you didn't alarm them, it gives you a chance to mess around with the trap a bit. And as soon as you walk away, they're going to come right back. If you scare them, they won't come back. So this is one thing you do. You can do if you've got a cat stepped over the trip plate, eating the bait. You slowly walk towards the trap. Cat backs out, goes away. Cover the trip plate like you see here with a piece of newspaper. So obviously this was not a windy day. If it was, you'd have to use um, some clothespins. And then you see that stick in the middle of the trap. It's it's like two two. Uh, wire frames up so it's about two inches up off the ground and that stick is going all the way through the trap and sticking out the other end. So what happens is now kitty comes back. They can't see where the trip plate is anymore, but they know the bait's there and they know it's real tasty. And now they have to step over this stick and lo and behold, you put the stick just in front of the trip plate. So when they step over the stick, they have no choice except to land on the trip plate and um, you can catch them that way. Okay, indoor trapping. Um, we always say if we can get a cat inside uh, a shed, a garage, uh, somebody's uh, room, we're going to get that cat. And this is how you do it. It, it can be a quite a bit of effort, so we don't, you know, it's usually not our first choice. But if a cat's indoors and can't get out, you can get them. And this is how you do it. Uh, in slide number one on your left there, you're taking the trap, you're setting it. So the front door is open and you're putting it behind something like a, a board. In this case, it's, a, I think, a flat cardboard box, but it's something that the trap will fit behind. Um, and then you're uh, covering the whole thing with a sheet, as you see in uh, number two there. And what that does, what you're going to do is you're going to flush the cat out of wherever he's hiding. And he's going to go running around the room trying to find another place to hide. And he's going to see this uh, board leaning against the wall. It's going to look like a safe, dark place. You want to visually cover up any escape routes other than going into the trap itself. So it doesn't have to act. And now, obviously, a cat could bust right through that sheet, but they won't try because they'll see daylight through the back of the trap and they're moving quickly. And that's where they're going to run. They're not going to try to figure out whether the sheet, the sheet is solid or not. So you have to cover up visually any openings that the cat might go through. And now sometimes this can be a painstaking process where you have to, you know, you have to eliminate uh, any other place the cat can hide. So you figure out where the cat is. The cat's hiding under the couch, right? So you take away, you know, the table that the cat could go under or, or remove the chairs. And so in the end, the only place once you flush the cat out from under the couch, the only place the cat has to go hide is behind this board. You've set it up in this way, and what's going to happen is the cat's going to run right into the trap, and you've set it, so you'll catch him. Okay. Um, actually, at this point, Stacy, I think we could, could take some questions. 
what, what do you think or how should you approach volunteers who think that it's cruel to withhold food the day before trapping and those that refuse to do that? Well, you know, a common phenomenon is, you know, the food is the basis of the bond between the caretakers and the feeders and their cats. I think the first thing to understand is it's really hard for them, you know, to know that those cats are sitting there waiting for them uh, going hungry. So you really have to explain to them that, you know, it's a day of going hungry versus, you know, a lifetime of breeding, a lifetime of angry neighbors because the cats are creating a nuisance. It's going to be a huge, huge improvement to their lives. And most people get that and will withhold the food. Now, if you have people who just absolutely refuse to do that, including you may even have people who don't want the cats fixed, but it's a public space you have access to it or a private space that you have access to. Well, what you need to do is you need to figure out the feeders patterns. So when do they come? When do they feed? And then go and trap before. And preferably use a drop trap because the cats do not have to be that hungry. If they haven't eaten that day, they'll go under a drop trap. Whereas, you know, to go into a box trap, they usually need to be quite a bit hungrier. So that's what we'll do. You know, if we know they feed at uh, 10 a.m., we're there at 7 a.m. with a drop trap. And we'll just have to, you know, obviously it's a much more difficult and time-consuming process to have to keep picking them off a few at a time. But that's, that's how you, you work around them. But the volunteers really have to understand that you're not going to catch the cats if they're not hungry, and they're going to be really hurting those cats' long-term well-being because they can't suck it up and be uncomfortable themselves for a day. Excellent. Lots of questions are flying back there. I don't know how Susie's keeping up. Um, do you have suggestions for owners that are trapping without much experience? Would you recommend that they get certified? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the first, usually the first Saturday of every month, but all the dates are on the Community Cats podcast website. We have, um, it's a two and a half hour basic training. It's a certification. And when you're done, you will know how to trap your cats. And then you can always come back and watch the recording of this webinar to pick up again on some of the more advanced stuff. But we go from A to Z on how to do that. And the reason we have the certification workshops is they originated out of spay neuter clinics, having people reserve a number of spots and then not filling them. You know, they'd reserve like 10 spots and they'd show up with three cats. So we started requiring in New York City, we started requiring certification so that people had that basic training. And then they would show up with eight out of 10 or nine out of 10 and sometimes 10 out of 10. So trapping rates really go up dramatically once you have the basic knowledge. So it's worth, you know, two and a half hours. It's online. It's very easy. You can watch it from home. And that that's the best way to uh, to approach this if you're not at all experienced. This will be my last question before we go to a break. It is kind of a loaded question. A couple of scenarios. One is, what if you have a cat that has a microchip? And first question before that is, do you scan all the cats for microchips? Or do you let the clinic figure that all out? And then if a cat has a microchip, what's the next step? And lastly, you know, how do we ensure that we aren't trapping somebody's indoor-outdoor cat? Most of the time, the clinics, they sedate the cat and then they scan them for a microchip before they do any further procedures. So it's going to be tough for you. A lot of these cats can't be safely handled especially if they don't know you. So you're not going to be able to physically, and if you start trying to scan through the bars of a trap, you could get a false reading. 
because the metal of the trap will throw it off. So talk to your clinic. As I say, in my experience, the majority of them will scan before. If they don't, they can easily make that part of their protocol. It takes literally two seconds. But I know at Maui Humane Society, where I've observed their protocols, they sedate the cat, they take the cat out of the trap, and the first thing they do is scan. Obviously, if kitty's got a microchip, you know, keep the cat in the trap. Uh, usually um, the clinic will not want to proceed because this might be an owned cat. So you have to take care of them for a couple more days and call up the company and see if you can track down the owner, right? Because we want these kitties to go home. Uh, Now, it may turn out that the information on the microchip is stale or you don't get a call back and then you have to make a judgment. Well, is this cat doing well in the colony? Is he no longer, you know, am I able to adopt him out? Is he going to tame down? You know, you have to make all those kinds of judgment calls. But Uh, The reason we have microchips is to try to reunite cats with their caretakers and their owners. So that that should be the first route. Now, how do we ensure we're not trapping a pet cat? Well, you know, there's there's two schools of thought about that. One is, well, if you have an intact cat and that cat is wandering through the neighborhood and there's no visible indicia of ownership, there's no collar, there's no tag, there's no microchip, even not visible. So there's no indication this cat is owned. He's intact. He's contributing to overpopulation outdoors. I'll go ahead and I'll just fix that cat. Now, if you want to, if you're worried about, well, what if they find out and they're going to sue us? And that's a common fear. I've never actually heard of it happening, although it sometimes is threatened. The way you protect yourself about that is provide notice two, three days a week, whatever it is, a couple of times before your trapping day, put flyers all over the neighborhood saying, we're going to be trapping cats on this date for the purpose of getting them spayed and neutered. You know, please keep your cat indoors. Um, if you let them out, make sure they're wearing a collar or a microchip, because if we can't tell, we're going to fix your cat. And then they've been notified. And you also have laws like in New York City, there's a law you're not allowed to let a sexually intact cat roam. So they would have no basis for coming after you. But the best way, if you're worried about that, is to just post flyers around the neighborhood and then everybody's received notes and you're, you're covered. Excellent. Sounds good. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats. Bye.